0: Hi, this is Dr. Mark Sell for the podcast Therapy for the Heart, and this is episode number 86. I'm going to talk about the role of aggression in symptom formation. I'll take depression, for instance, that's, that's a symptom. And in depression, it's manifested as um, self-attack. So you'll find somebody who's depressed, they'll say, I'm, I'm worthless, I'm a piece of shit. Where did they get that? They're not born with it. In psychosomatic problems, the body is attacked, so um, you'll have ulcers. A good example is back pain. Like uh, Sarno, who published a book on back pain, he said it all. It was all related to aggression, and not aggression not handled right. So it goes, it goes into the back. Very, very. It's a very popular, popular book. So I'm using that as a justifying my theory here. I don't have to justify it, but it's a good example. If you pick that book up and read about back pain, it's all related to aggression and how it's handled. Thought processes, for instance, um, someone might think about them, they're not, they're stupid. They will attack themselves for their uh, ability not to be able to think well. As I said, we're not born with this. So where does it come from? It comes from being attacked and being made to feel stupid. A parental role in life is to be able to make the child, help the child feel acceptable and also to say everything. And and everything is important because not just what the parent wants to hear, the nice things, but also the difficult things, the things that is the child is um, upset about or angry about or disappointed in. And these are the things that are hardest for a parent to hear. They don't want to hear the... Generally, they like to hear the good stuff and not the bad stuff. But if you lit- eliminate the bad stuff, you don't have a whole whole person. You just have part of that person that's being expressed, and that's not good for mental health. How can you avoid this? Well, as I said, a child is not born with these impulses to attack itself. It's learns, it learns, and it learns from how they're treated when they're very young. For instance, I had a um, patient that I was working with uh, quite some quite some years ago and um, his mother was very in, involved with herself and she really couldn't understand too much from his own perspective she was very wrapped up in her own life and particularly she couldn't hear anything that he felt was critical of her like saying mom you're not listening to me she couldn't hear anything so he turned to using crack now he was very angry underneath but he couldn't ever express it that was the problem so crack has an anti rage function and that's why people who have a lot have a lot of um, pent up feelings of anger they use that to uh, soothe themselves so that they don't experience those feelings of rage because the feelings of rage also are are not related to just to anger because, but it's, they're related to hurt. So underneath that anger there's a lot of often hurt and misery and depression and it's very difficult to tolerate and most for, for one reason is because they're not people have not been able to help express these feelings right from the beginning. So if, right from the beginning if you have a, a child and, and they have, they're upset with something that the parent does the parent might say, is there anything wrong? And the child, no, I'm fine. No, everything's fine. Well, you seem unhappy. So maybe there's something that I did that disappointed you in some reason. So by inquiring in a genuine inquiry about, you really want to help to, to, to think about what the child says and hear it. The child will be able to trust you. Really want to know the answer, not just some made-up answer to avoid conflict between the child and the mother. So. That's how we can avoid these terrible problems of inhibition, depression, anxiety, by right from the beginning as parents, listening to and all the feelings that the child has, and be ready to receive all of them. Because if not, then the child will. If you're, if you attack the child because it's, because you're feeling angry about saying they say something that you didn't. Uh, didn't want to hear uh, and you need to be genuinely interested in in what their criticism was and that would be very freeing then part of them won't be shut off and if parts of people are shut off they're not whole they're only they'll only integrate the parts that the good parts and not and there's a lot of things that we carry on in, in ourselves and feel And and feel that they're not so hot and they're not so great. And we need to be able to learn to express them and to integrate them into our personality so they're not split off and then projected onto other people or other situations. And that's the problem with the problems that people can't come to terms with is that they project them onto external situations. So, for instance, I was working with somebody who had a lead role in Les Mis and she could not function in that role because she experienced, she anticipated the audience criticizing her for, for her, her performance. And there wasn't any reality in that, and, you know, in terms of the external reality. Uh, when I investigated it with her, there was nobody was laughing at her, but she felt the audience was being very critical, of, would be very critical of her. And so we talked a lot about that, and I learned a lot about her father, and how much he attacked her when she didn't do it right, whatever it was, she didn't do it right. He was very angry. So we talked about that. So she was projecting her feelings and her relationship with her father into the audience, expecting that they were going to attack her just like he attacked her. So once we worked that out, she didn't feel inhibited inhibited anymore. Before She, She could perform freely because she wasn't Inhibited by what she thought the audience would react to her, how they, how they would react to her, so that's a good example of how these in, inner feelings that we have can be projected out into the world, and then we can't really check out the reality. We can't see what's happening really, we only project it and we can, and then we don't we get lost in, in our anxieties and anticipation of attack. So one of the things that a therapist can do, if you're in therapy, for the patient to be able to feel very, to communicate real responses while they're in therapy, and not try to uh, communicate or not say what they think is just the, what the therapist wants to hear. And for the on the therapist side, it's very important for the therapist to look in inward and see if they really do they really want to hear everything that the patient says. And often therapists don't. I mean, they're human. And one of, the, one of the things from my experience, many years of experience, is that ther- therapists don't like to hear criticisms. And the very thing that they need the patient to say to them, they're reluctant to inquire about. So that's why I ask patients from time to time, how is the therapy going? And I really wanted to be able to hear, you know, what they really feel about the therapy. And then they say, oh, fine, fine, and... And I'll inquire further and, and try to dig out something that they might feel displeased with. It could be the way I talk or the way I, I talk too fast, I talk too much, I don't talk enough. It could be the chair in the office or the decor. So if I could help them something, say something, I remember one patient, I, uh, he said, you know, well, that, those chairs you have, they, they belong down in the basement. <laughs> that was great. I really like that I'm not just kidding I like that because it's it's genuine I've had enough fake expressions in my life from from different sources parents friends I like the genuineness of a real as long as they're not trying to cream me or kill me you know uh, with hostility but if they say I don't like something that you just said that's fine that's 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 really great but that's what therapists don't like to hear they don't want to hear criticism and i've had therapists who are were very experienced many years of experience and when they terminate therapy when they terminated therapy with their therapist they often did not tell the therapist why they wanted to terminate what their objections were and that's very common even for therapists so They're not immune to that, but if they can identify that they have this anxiety that they don't want to really hear what the person says, then they can work with that and and discover that it's their own inhibition and talk to their therapist about it and free up the therapy. So therapy is very complicated, and helping people to say things that are genuine, that they feel is the most important thing and the most difficult for the therapist and the patient. So both therapist and patient have to work on their inhibitions and wanting to block out things that they don't, they don't want to hear because it's of anger or criticism or, or maybe the, th- the patient says, I don't want to come back anymore. And what happens if you don't tease out these objections that they're having to the treatment all along, then all of a sudden the patient will sh- not show up And you'll be scratching, as as a therapist, you'll be scratching your head and say, what happened? I don't understand it. Well, what happened was you didn't help them to express their disappointments all along about the therapy. And patients are going to have disappointments. They're human. You're not going to do everything right. If you help them express them all along, you won't be left scratching your head and saying why this person who seemed to be doing very well in treatment, all of a sudden just canceled, and you tried to call that person and contact them and you couldn't, they wouldn't return your calls. And that's that it happens often, it's, it's not unusual. So, and as I said, even with experienced therapists, when they terminate treatment, they often won't tell their therapist the real reason. They'll have some excuses. Well, like I really can't afford it, or I don't have the time, there's always things that we can invent as invent as therapists to not say the real reason that I don't like the therapy that you're providing and i try to do that with the patients with, with right from the beginning after the i mean right in the beginning i'll say how was the time how how was the time that we spent together today how was it for you and I don't want to have sessions where I don't ask that because then I could be taken to surprise, and they'd be seeing they might seem to like what's happening in the therapy, but they won't ever tell me because if it's if it's a criticism, they've they've been brought up to, to uh, mostly to say not to say the truth, especially if it's been a criticism of their parents when they were brought up. So. So this is Dr. Mark Sell. And I hope I've explained the role of aggression in symptom formation, because it's very important. And if you have symptoms, and you're not in therapy, you may want to consider that there's more to your symptoms that meets the eye. Like if you get depressed, and 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 you're not and you're starting to attack attack yourself and feeling worthless, you you were not born with that, you inherited that or if you have psychosomatic recurring psychosomatic problems you know it's not just the physical it's the emotional part of that and if you uh, think about that you'll be you know, one step ahead and try of maybe instead of running around doctors one after the other with different complaints and the doctors never maybe investigate your feelings about yourself and how you have been in your life, if you've been depressed, if you've been anxious, sometimes doctors won't—they won't look at that. They won't ask. If it's a physician, uh, unless they've been trained to ask that and get a really good history from you, rather than just your rather, rather than just your medical history, if you have a good doctor who's going to ask how have how has your life been, how are things been going, then they may say to something besides the physical symptom. Well, I've been kind of depressed lately. And if the doctor inquires more about that, you'll have you'll have a shot of getting a good referral to a to a, someone who can help you. So, so it's very hard. Therapy is hard, and and, uh, and being a patient is hard, and being a therapist is hard. So that's why therapists have to be have to be in treatment themselves, in order to be able to understand what the process is, and in treatment themselves, so they can, if they have a good therapist, they can be free enough to tell that therapist how they really feel and not just the nice stuff. Oh, you're really helping them. So they can have that experience. They'll be way way ahead of becoming a good provider of therapy to all their patients. So this is Dr. Mark Sell for the uh, podcast Therapy for the Heart. We're talking about the role of aggression in symptom formation. So if you want to shoot me an email, you can do so at marksell.gmail.com. And um, I want to thank you for listening. We'll have another podcast in a week or an episode in a week. And I want to thank David for helping with this setting up all the technical aspects of the podcast. So thanks so much. We'll see you next week.